Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Athletic. Right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Another frustrating week. Liverpool's lack of confidence seems to be spreading. We'll discuss the draw at Palace, ask what they need to do in the midfield come the summer, and look ahead to Wolves' visit on Wednesday. And here with me we have James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones for our latest therapy session. Just a shame it's not in the pub again. Let's kick off with those three words. Kiva. Oh, you always come to me first and I never have any idea of three words. I'm not very good at the three words thing, am I? That's why I come I know, to you I first. I think you can see it. You can see that I'm... I think because there's nothing really ever positive to say, is there? I think if we had, we've had a few little positive moments there, haven't we, Everton, Newcastle, and that feels like a bad hit so far this year. Um, really boring again. <laughs> and cruel, cruel but true, yeah. true, Andy. Um, stop individual errors because oh, watching watching that game and the way Liverpool were on Saturday was just time and time again. It was like, what are you doing? Why have you done that? They just can't seem to get out of the habit at the moment, can they? James, I'll go for absolutely bang average. <laughs> I think that works. I'll go for come head, Jürgen. Although it's come head, one word. I don't know. I'm going to have it as two. Uh, let's see what they're saying on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Craig Anderson has said, season slipping away. Well, yeah. Jordan Park, watching paint dry. Sonno Pinto, mid-table mediocrity. And Duncan Tibbetts, unbeaten in three. I reckon our, our listeners are better at this than we are, by the way. Well, yeah, I'll say. Anyway, at least he didn't get beat. <laughs> now that that's that's that no no you know what that was there to be won, wasn't it? Palace are awful. We're awful, James. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. It was it was just a pretty poor game of football all round. I thought obviously Andy was there for us on the night. I had a charity dinner that I had to attend, and then had the joy of sitting through it. In its entirety, late on Sunday night, having only caught the highlights on the... You knew what was coming. You bailed. <laughs> you knew what was coming. I, um, yeah, do you know what? It was funny, actually, because when I watched it back, I actually was expecting it to be worse than it actually was. I must admit, like, I, I actually thought... I watched the first 20 minutes, and I was thinking, if I didn't know what had happened, this first 20 minutes actually looked all right. Like, I think it looked like 80% of the ball, and... And as you said, Tony, Palace, you have to frame it in the context of Palace are absolutely dreadful. Um, I think, you know, without a win in things at 10 Premier League games at the, at the minute. And you can see they were there for the taking. And that was that was the really frustrating thing, that Liverpool just didn't have, have it in them to deliver anything resembling a, a knockout punch. 
as we've seen so often this season, they, they struggle to control games even when they are on top. They don't make their dominance count. And then it suddenly becomes open and, and you suddenly think they could actually go you know, from a game that you thought they, they should win this comfortably with the quality they've still got in that team. They don't. And then they could easily end up end up losing it. I think it was the kind of game that if one team had sneaked it 1-0, the other one probably couldn't have argued too much. But yeah, it was just a nothing game that, you know, as Klopp said himself, unfortunately, it's another one on the road this season where um, nobody's going to be making a movie about it. Andy, you were there. I'll tell you what, was your seat reasonably good? Because in the press box of Palace, it can be awful. I was there last season and I was on the end seat and all I could see of the goal at one end was like the corner of the um, penalty area. I mean, literally, probably about three square yards. You know, I just couldn't see it. It's impossible to see. So, I mean, hopefully you were in a seat like that where you didn't have to watch that horror show on the pitch. And I was going to say... um my seat was actually good in terms of seeing the pitch, but yeah, when you when you think about it, I probably would have preferred a, a big post in my way. Probably kept me more entertained. I watched the first half back when I was doing sort of the, the navigator piece, and like James, it was like when you were there live watching it, you thought, oh, this has been not very good at all. But when you watched it back, it wasn't as bad as it appeared. But the problem was is that it's just a constant individual errors, which are being made in the wrong part of the pitch as well. You can forgive... You know, Liverpool giving the ball away if they're trying to make things happen around the opposition box. But, you know, that all of Palace's chances in the first half, you know, from open play, come from Liverpool giving them the ball. You've got that Mateta chance sort of early doors, I think around 12 minutes, when Trent just passes to him, puts him in one-on-one. and It was Trent's best ball of the game. <laughs> uh, and then you've got the, the one... He nearly got another assist. <laughs> Looking at Liverpool's attack at times during the game, that's probably his best... The best way he was going to get one, um, and then even the Mateta chance where he, I think again where he hits the bar late on in the first half, Trent sort of eased off the ball by slopping in his own box, and and then obviously you had the uh, the Liverpool can't defend set piece alarm ringing when uh, I mean Mark where he should have should have scored that header that free header that he had. Liverpool, I would say, controlled or certainly would a better side or dominated the game in that first half, but never really threatened because Palace sort of kept them at arm's length, but also they didn't dominate or didn't control the game because they kept, you know, the passion was careless and they weren't doing the things that Klopp wanted them to do. And I think he spoke about that after the game. I think he said the first ball over the top didn't work, so we stopped doing it. Trent's first switch went out of play, so we we stopped doing that. And that's the problem, and that sort of shows Liverpool's confidence at the moment. And then at the back, they just continue to make you know, silly errors and concede possession in, in really bad areas and, and that encourages the opposition but also gives them really, really good chances. And on another day, as James said, you you've got to factor in that it was Palace. And, you know, you give that those chances to better sides and you one or two nil down going into half time. Yeah, Kiva, I mean, we you know, we talk about the defence and the mistakes and all that. But the attack there was nothing there, was there? There was no spark and there was no sense of they could hurt Palace. And, and he said, you know, we we imposed the boredom and then controlled it. Yeah, there was no Darwin Nunez as well. And I think that played a big part in how, I guess, I, I've already said boredom, but just how like disconnected Liverpool looked, you know, across the pitch at times, but up front as well. I just felt like they were lacking this real spark of energy, this player that was just going to, you know, run into other players, run past them, just annoy people and... 
I think Darwin being missing was massive for Liverpool because in recent weeks, that criticism that sort of followed them around throughout the season has calmed down a little bit. And, you know, obviously we know what happened in the Real Madrid game. So his, his goal there didn't probably get enough plaudits or praise given the result. But, you know, he's, he's really starting to become quality Liverpool player, isn't he? We've seen like bits and bobs from him. Um, but now I feel like he's so important, much more important than I even thought I realised. But obviously seeing him missing, you're like, whoa, Liverpool really need Darwin Nunez to be there for just energy, like aggression going forward. He just, there's a lot that happens around him. And when he's on the pitch, it just, there's an excitement, isn't there? And it just felt like there wasn't that excitement there, maybe without him, or just maybe, you know, I guess we'll come on to the midfield. The defence didn't really look great. The full-backs both went really very good. I was trying to think, is this a sign of progress because Liverpool didn't lose this game? But I was like, I don't know. I can't answer that question. Like, can you answer that question? Is it a sign of progress? Because a clean sheet's great. It felt very much to me late on in that game, it was more likely the Palace would get a late winner than Liverpool. It just felt like Liverpool were not going to score. So I'm like, is it progress? Because recently this season, we've seen them drop points in different ways and it felt like they'd managed to avoid that. So perhaps it is progress. Well, no, for me, it's more disappointing, really. You know, you get stuffed by Real Madrid, who are European champions, who are football aristocracy, and you go, you know, it's Real Madrid, we're in a bit of a mess, and the game ran away from us. But then you draw to Crystal Palace, and it's like, they're awful. They're stridently middle of the table, except they've lost that middle of the table or in the last few weeks, and, they, they, you know, you can smell relegation about them. We don't beat them and not only that that i saw the, the stats um the expected goals of 0.9 it's the first time this season it's been under one we, we should have a new stat for liverpool unexpected goals um no hang on that doesn't make any sense at all but you know what i mean james like me frustration is pouring out of me yeah i i, I think i think the, the point's a fair one that you know, for someone as limited as Palace, who are in dire form that they're in a minute, at, at, in at the minute, you think for Liverpool not to win at a place like that, you'd expect the narrative afterwards to be their goalies had an absolute worldie. You know, the Liverpool have been dogged by misfortune, but they weren't, were they? They they actually really struggled to create much. You know, if you want one moment to just sum up an entire season, it's got to be Trent Alexander-Arnold's goal-bound free kick hitting Jordan Henderson in the head and flying behind. It was just like, I saw that at the time. I just thought, oh my God, like that just sums up. Because it was, you know, it was destined for the, the corner. You know, we'd have been talking about a piece of brilliance and then, you know, it was, you know, slapstick really, wasn't it? But yeah, you know, it was... You know, what was there? There was that Salah half chance, wasn't there, on the breakaway? That, but then, you know, really tame finish. And then, you know, obviously, second half Salah underside of the bar. You'd have to say that was a lucky, you know, brilliant attempt. But then you know, the only other chance I could think of was was Gagpo through on goal when he when he knocked it wide. And I thought that was a bad miss. But you could just see it. It's just so, I don't know, just so disjointed. There's no, there's no fluency, is there? And I, and I think that was... That was the frustration as well, because you wanted to see Liverpool come out and show that what happened against Real Madrid hadn't created any lasting damage and that they felt as if they did have a point to prove. And of course, playing against an incredibly inferior side to Real Madrid in Palace, yet it didn't happen. It just felt like for chunks of that game, far too many chunks, they actually sunk down to Palace's level. 
that was the only saving grace was that, you know, although it felt like a defeat, it, that it wasn't and that they did manage to emerge with something to show for it, which shouldn't have any kind of more negative connotations as, as the focus shifts to Wolves on Wednesday. Well, yeah, at uh, the Ungon for a point, which, uh, you know, praise the Lord for. Anyway, next, we're going to get into a conversation about the midfield, and we're all really excited about that because we've never discussed that before. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. Tony Evans here with James Pierce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones with Walk On from The Athletic. Okay, Andy, you've written a piece about Nabi Keita for The Athletic. That's it, surely? I think so. It's um, he, well, he wasn't the only one, it's fair to say, but his, his sort of... Uh, 45-minute cameo, I guess, um, where Klopp had to take him off. Otherwise, he, I think, definitely would have been sent off just with the tightrope he was walking. Yeah, it was just one of those those games that he, that he can have and has had probably too many times, you would say, for Liverpool, where he's he's just not up to, to speed, really. And I guess that shows in, in the four fouls that he made during that game and in that first half, the, the second one, which he picks a button up for and... And then he's not able to manage himself. And, and then I think Klopp sort of said he had to play non-contact in the end for sort of the last five or you know ten minutes, um, which which is true in a sense. But also by doing that, he had no real effect on the game either. When when some of the better best players in the world will go pick up a button early, you'll see them be able to manage their way through the game. They'll be smart, intelligent, but still be able to impact the game on and off the ball and, and Cater's influence just he, he couldn't have that same influence he, he certainly wasn't helped by Matip and, and Trent on the same side as him having equally as bad games um, because all three of them were just you could see the nerves you could see the confidence just drain from them as the half went on and given his situation given where you know his contract status is at I think it's four months left till the end of the season you struggle to see how you know, he starts many more games to Liverpool. And given where you sort of need to start thinking, if he's not massively benefiting you, is it not better to be playing Harvey Elliott, for example, in this type of game where he's going to be part of your future? I, I, I watched the, the 45 back and while he, you know, he, he did the simple things fine in terms of keeping the ball, there were still a couple of times where, you know, he was too slow and Palace were able to press him and win possession back. And what Liverpool were hoping to get when they signed him, you know, all those years ago is has never happened and it's unfortunate because I've I've been a I've always you know been a big fan of him. He's he's been a couple of times where you felt like he's on the cusp of 
making that step, um, and it's just never happened. And you know, it's unfortunate. It's sad to see. You know, I don't think anyone enjoyed um, or took any pleasure out of that performance that that he put in. But you know, it did just sort of summed up his time at Liverpool, really, didn't it? Just really frustrating to to watch a player sort of struggle through that forty five minutes. He come with such high expectations, and that was probably uh, an issue. You know, they waited a year for him, and we were told in that year how great he'd be. And, uh, you know, Kiva, I, I mean, he's never really felt like he'd be the mainstay of the midfield. And now, you know, he's, he's what, 28. He should be the player that they're building around going forward. Yeah, I know. It's sort of interesting looking back at Naby Keita's Liverpool career because he has you know, been part of a legendary team, legendary squad. They've won every medal. He's won every medal too. You know, he's been there with them and been important himself in, in different games over the seasons, but not really important for the entirety of a season. And I know he's had trouble with injuries and different things. It just sort of halted him at the wrong times, maybe when he was about to just sort of hit his peak, you know, an injury brought him back down and that kind of thing. So it's kind of been a bit up and down. And I think if he leaves the club this summer, he'll maybe think himself of, of what might have been. And, you know, fans definitely will, because there was this sort of constant, like Andy mentioned, there's a player, we can all see that and you were hoping for it more and more. You'd see it, like you said, Tony and Flashes but it never quite was something that happened week in and week out. And I'm not even sure really what the answer is and why. On Saturday, Palace looked pretty uncomfortable midfield, didn't it, in general, with obviously James Milne and and Jordan Henderson in there as well. It just felt like, I don't know, was Klopp trying to be more compact in a way? Because I know after the Madrid game, it was like Liverpool raced into another 2-0 lead like they have in the past two games, but sort of struggled to sort of contain the game, sit back a little bit. I felt like maybe it was that sort of midfield to try and counteract that, you know, if Liverpool did go into the lead, that they would have more sort of difficult to play through. But they, they just were difficult to play forward or back it just felt like it was just a it wasn't really a fluid thing to watch across the midfield and I think yeah it felt like Milner Cater and Henderson was is probably the least dynamic Liverpool midfield I've ever seen I can't think of a less dynamic one when I saw the team I thought you know should I listen to this rather than watch it you know it's, uh, stay away from the visuals but yeah coming back to Cater James his injuries he's had a lot of them that one of his problems that's the thing, isn't it? Like I lost count of the you know the number of times we've had the same conversation, probably written the same piece over the years. Kind of it's now or never for Naby Keita at Liverpool. You know this this season is going to be integral for him. You know this is the one where he has to prove that he was worth the big fee that Liverpool paid for him. I think fitness has definitely been probably the biggest factor because I think it's so difficult at the top level to to get rhythm and momentum when you miss as much football as he does. And he, you know, it, I'd, I'd have to look back in terms of putting games together, but it, it feels like it's just been so incredibly stop-start for him or like throughout his Liverpool career, really. And, you know, you, I think it would be very unfair to just brand Cater as like a complete flop and, you know, what, an, what a waste. Because he has, there's been times when he's, that he's had really good little spells, but the problem is they haven't been sustained long enough. And yeah, he has played his part along the way, but he's only been a bit part. That's the problem. It's not been he's not been the kind of the kind of star of the show that Liverpool thought they were buying um, when he when he arrived in 2018. And you think of all the fanfare and you know Steven Gerrard handing over the shirt to him, you know taking on 
the number eight. And, you know, there's been been quite a few big games along the way that you could point to where he hasn't been trusted to start. So, yeah, it's a shame. But I think, yeah, we I think we now have well and truly reached that point where earlier on in the season, there was still an argument that, you know, maybe maybe Liverpool should be looking to extend him to, you know, even if it was only a two-year just because you, know, you just never know with Cater. Yeah, there was always that feeling of he might go elsewhere and suddenly light the place up. That was always the fear. And and do you want to protect your value rather than let him go for nothing? But no, I, th- I think now with where, where Liverpool are at and needing to rebuild that midfield, I think I think it just makes sense for all parties that you know, shake hands and go their separate ways in May. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll probably he'll probably do all right when he goes to a league which is less physical and uh, which is slower. But I think it's more the Emre Can syndrome. I don't think he's going to pull up any trees elsewhere. Now we, we move up. If he goes, we move on to the difficult problem, really, of the rebuilds. And on Friday, you know, Jürgen was talking about if they miss out on the top four. He said, you know, money always has an impact. It's not helpful if they miss out on the top four. Well, yeah, we know that, Jürgen. We know that. But that that's a fairly grim prognosis, Andy. Yeah, um, and it's sort of the reality we've been beginning to contemplate, isn't it? Since the the early weeks of the season, when we realised that Liverpool were not the Liverpool that we'd we'd come to to know and love over the past few seasons, and it will have a significant impact if they can't bridge the gap to that top four, because you know we know FSG's model, we know how they work, how they operate, and and so much of that is based on what the the club can bring in, and therefore the Champions League money is a massive part of that, and without that. You are you are looking in a, a significant hole, I guess, in terms of you know the finances. But and and this is where it'll be a big test of FSG if Liverpool don't, um, and hopefully they will, obviously. But if they don't manage to you know make up the gap, this is where it's going to be a huge summer for FSG to to show that they are still committed to the club, providing there's, there's you know there's no invest new investors that have come in by by that point. But you know we're not not too far away from it now, are we? So. It's quite clear that Liverpool need to spend a lot of money in the summer to to start this rebuild and make a big dent into into moving this squad on. And and it has always been the, the concern of, you know, Liverpool can't spend like other clubs do, and and that's the problem because you can't get left behind if you don't get everything right. And and that's why Liverpool's transfer model has has been so talked about and, and so you know well known because of of how well they've got and how many times they've got it right because they've had to get it right and they've they've made the right signings. You know, there's big pressure on on the pitch to make to, to get into that top four and, and they're by no means out of it. If they keep playing like they do against Palace, then that may not be the case. But the, the you know, they're still well in the race and they've still got a great you know, a really good chance of of getting in that top four. But it is concerning when you think about the knock on effects that it could potentially have in in pursuits for Bellingham, but not just him, for you know, the the other two, three four players that Liverpool will need to bring in. Well, yeah, um, Ross Pretty on our Walk On Podcast Facebook group asks whether it'll have any effect on signing players not qualifying for the Champions League. And Kiva, while, you know, no one can predict the future, so you sign for a club and you don't know whether they're going to have a bad year, you don't know whether they're going to qualify for the Champions League. You know what? It helps an awful lot if you're in. It certainly does in terms of just getting far in the competition itself. You get pick up more money, don't you? Liverpool getting to the finals as much as they have will have helped, you know, add to the pot, as it were. And then I think qualifying for it is important as well. Obviously, you know, there's a separate thing to that, the, the money that it brings in terms of, you know, sponsors, financial, TV, whatever. But then the other side of that is attracting 
the best players. If you're not in the Champions League, you're going to have to do a really good job of convincing players to come to the club. Certain players, anyway, I think will just it'll be easier to say yes to a, another club, you know, that are offering the same the same fee, the same wages and all that kind of thing, the same year, whatever else. Um, but if, you know, another club have Champions League football, then it might be an easier decision for them to make because the best players want to be playing in the best competitions and the Champions League is the best competition to play in. And Liverpool right now don't look too far off that, but obviously, you know, Spurs beating Chelsea at the weekend puts them a little bit further back. If Liverpool won against Palace, you know, there'd be a lot more positivity around it. I still think this is a, a team capable of putting a run of games together and getting themselves back up there. But it needed to start with Palace again, didn't it? And it felt like that was, you know, a big opportunity missed. It's going to be interesting to see how it does affect this rebuild in the summer because looking at that squad, I know we've chatted about it, we're all broken records, aren't we, on it? But, like, just not only the midfield needs an overhaul, there's, there's other positions as well that, you know, Liverpool need to invest in now going forward because we're seeing sort of Chelsea have invested a lot and their sort of their drop-off continues under Graham Potter at the moment. But you, you get the feeling that they'll come good with the amount of players that they've invested in, whether they will or not. That's something for uh, Chelsea fans and uh, them to discuss there. But it's interesting for Liverpool because it just feels like you don't want to fall too far away now with obviously you know Arsenal very much up there. Man United haven't just won the League Cup. Uh, Man City, you know, they're always going to be there, aren't they? Newcastle are, are up there now. Other teams going past Liverpool, like Liverpool need to stop this rot, I guess, because you don't want years sort of, you know, where they're just struggling to get back where they were. You want to go into next season and think Liverpool can challenge for everything again. Obviously, we know that's not the case this season. One thing they've got to challenge for is top four. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Pogba went, went to United in 2016 without Champions League. Arsenal signed Party, Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko. Chelsea have just paid a British transfer record for Enzo Fernandez. But moving on to that, James, what exactly do Liverpool need in the midfield? Um, well, three new faces, I think. I think and that, that's where it all comes back to the kind of the talk about Champions League and the importance of it. And, and I actually think... I think Liverpool's pulling power and Klopp's pulling power. It, it, I don't. I don't think a year outside the Champions League really affects that. And, and money talks. That's the other thing. I mean, Liverpool's wage bill is up there with the biggest around. I think you only have to look at Manchester United and their ability to still attract people like Casemiro when they're not a Champions League club. If the wages are there, players will go. It just doesn't come cheap, and then that comes back round to who is going to pick up the bill for what Liverpool need to do this summer. And I thought that was the other interesting thing from what Klopp said on Friday. Not only were, you know, of course, we need Champions League money, but he also said, he went on to say it has an impact, but it can't have too much of an impact this summer. He said, because we, where we are, we're at, we have to spend regardless. And I, and I thought that was kind of like an interesting comment from him, the fact that, OK, yeah, I appreciate the, you know what the Champions League was worth ninety to one hundred million pounds to Liverpool last season, and, and of course if you miss out on Champions League that leaves, leaves a gap. But it was like, but where this squad is at in its evolution, it's not an option. It's not like, well, I tell you what, you know, maybe we don't really need to do that. Then come the summer, if we don't, we haven't got Champions League money, it has to be done regardless if Liverpool are serious about getting back to competing for the biggest prizes again. So, um, and, and that's 
you know, that, that's what, you know, you're talking about, of course, we all hope Liverpool win the race for Bellingham. And I still think, I don't think being outside the Champions League completely ruins any hopes of getting him. Because I think when you look at the decisions that him and his family have taken so far, you know, I, I think they always look seem to look at the bigger picture and career development and all the rest of it. And I think it would be more about trying to sell to him about where Liverpool are heading rather than where they are absolutely right now in terms of whether they're a Champions League club or not. But of course, you know, if Bellingham is going to cost £120, £130 million, pounds, you then go and get, say, I don't know, Mateus Nunes from, from Wolves, probably 40 to £50 million. I think you probably need another one on top of that as well, midfield-wise, because you know, you're know you going to lose Cater, Oxlade-Chamberlain, probably Milner as well. The lesser-spotted Arthur Mello will go back to Juventus. You know, there's a big overhaul that's needed. So you're talking about 200 to 250 million pound plus in a summer when Liverpool don't have hardly any real saleable assets. You'd say on the fringes of the squad. To, you know, it's, it, there's not a situation like, well, maybe that you know, maybe they should be looking to sell a Coutinho type and and get as much much as they can and reinvest that money. And and that's why it's so important that for me that you know FSG do do try and bring in the, some fresh investment before the summer. Because if they don't, you know, they either change their business model and put their hand in their own pockets to, to subsidise this rebuild, or you know, Liverpool aren't going to be able to do what they need to do. Clearly, Champions League is important, but it goes beyond that. Like Even if Liverpool don't qualify for the Champions League, the standing still is not an option this summer. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I don't know about the pulling power. The way they're playing, if a, uh, you know, if the players who are targets uh, watching the Crystal Palace game, it will be the sort of as an analogy, uh, Klopp couldn't pull it in the Grafton. I mean, it's uh, they, they were so bad. What about Mason Mount, Andy? You know, we talk about Mason Mount. I don't see him as a midfield player myself. Yeah, he's a, he's one of them. Is he sort of? You think of him initially when he sort of burst on the scene as that type of midfield type, didn't he? But then he he sort of gradually went or sort of moved further up, didn't he, into more of an attacking player. And um, you know, he's he's one of those. He's a bit marmite, I think, uh, Mounts among the Chelsea fans, but also just uh, I think in in general football, I think he's got a lot of good qualities. Um, but the, I think there's always that question mark of how good is he? What's his sort of ceiling? And has he been a little bit you know, overrated, I guess, given what he's actually done. And But I, I think he's a really good player. And I think he would probably suit a Liverpool midfield in that he gives you the the type of that, that work rate and, you know, the, those types of things that you need in a, in a midfield, in a Liverpool midfielder. You know, you can imagine he'd be, he'd be important and, and good in a pressing system and, and be able to to take on board all the, all the information needed to, to be a you know, to be part of Liverpool's midfield and, and to press effectively, but also, you know, give you control because he's, you know, he's a good technician and, and keeps the ball well. But yeah, it'd be an interesting one. I think that the problem would be, I know his contract situation is, I think he'd have 12 months in the summer, but he's still going to be paying a lot of money for him. And, and, and is it, is he a player who, compared to what else might be out there um, for maybe a little bit less, is he someone who would make Liverpool massively better? But that, that's the that's a big situ- that, that's the big question and and whether you know Liverpool fame up that interest it, it seems quite clear that they are interested in him and and understandably so and I think there's probably the uh, the homegrown aspect to it as well uh, with Liverpool potentially losing 
Um, you know, Oxley Chamberlain, Milner, for example, who are needing to fill that quota. Yeah, and Bellingham counts as homegrown as well, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're looking that you, you can see why they're looking for that type of player. I think it'd be an interesting one if Liverpool do decide to, to pursue him. Um, I think it would make sense. Uh, but I think that the, the big issue would be cost because Chelsea aren't gonna aren't gonna let him go to Liverpool for cheap are they? No, definitely not. This is Walk On brought to you by the Athletic. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In towards Gerard. Oh. Hello. Hello. Here we go. This is Welcome, brought to you by The Athletic, with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, all right, you know, we've been through the negativity of Palace. Wolves at home. It's the fourth meeting this season, though. That's difficult, isn't it? You know, they've got a score to settle after that stuffing up Molyneux as well, Kiefer. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like Liverpool played Wolves every other weekend at this point, doesn't it? I felt like the FA Cup game, the replay was Liverpool were quite in control of that one. But other than that, I think Liverpool have struggled a little bit to get to grips with Wolves, which you know was surprising given you know their form this season hasn't been too great. I think they've they've come out of that a bit now, haven't they? Towards the the middle of the season, they seem to be doing all right again. But Liverpool should be easily winning against Wolves at the week uh, midweek and obviously this season that 3-0 just sort of was a haunting experience wasn't it another one amid a season of just you know scary Liverpool games where you just look at them and they just don't look like Liverpool I don't think that can be allowed to happen and I don't think it will I think they've made Liverpool made too much progress in recent weeks for them to just capsize I guess you know capitulate in the way that they have against Wolves um, obviously, in the the last time out in the Premier League, and just you know the Brighton game, that kind of thing feels far away. But then we've spoke about the Palace game and how maybe a better team who taken the chances could easily beat Liverpool two three nil, and that felt very much different maybe to Brighton where they just you know absolutely dominated the game. Wolves, Liverpool had. I don't know, did they have some chances, didn't they? But just was a bit of a in the midst of that rocky patch. I feel like they're out of that. So this is going to be probably 
we've said it before and we'll say it again, you know, a crucial game, but a big test for Liverpool in terms of putting down a marker of where they're truly at. Obviously, Everton, Newcastle, the dip in form against Real Madrid and then obviously that boring goalless draw with Palace. So I think being at home Wednesday, it should be a positive performance. But yeah, I think that's all I can probably say, to be honest. (laughs) Is it going to be another audition for Mateus Nunes, James, or even Ruben Neves? Hang on. You know what? We've just talked about Liverpool spending $250 million during the summer. You know, maybe $300, $350 million are by Wolves. You know, it's, um, <laughs> that, uh, that puts it into context. That's scary, that, isn't it? You know, you could buy half the, half the clubs in the Premier League, probably, for what Liverpool need to spend this summer. But anyway, back to the original question, James. Nunes and Neves... Uh, yeah, I think I think Nunes is a lot more more likely than than Neves to be to be honest. I think um, you know there was certainly interest in Nunes last summer before he went to Wolves, and I think the feeling was he probably needed to go somewhere else as a kind of stepping stone before before Liverpool thought he was he was ready. So yeah, I'm sure. I think we saw I think we saw with his impact in the the FA Cup game at Anfield that he looked like someone who who uh, who was trying to catch the eye but yeah more than anything you just want to see a reaction on Wednesday night to to one of the you know in a season full of punishing setbacks something that was probably as, as bad as anything we've we've seen that that defeat at Molyneux at the start of February and then was it a couple of weeks after that you know I think Wolves actually lost at home to Bournemouth and you just thought you know if you want any perspective yeah. of just how bad that was to get stuffed at Molyneux that that, that was there for you you, you think back to the game at Molyneux, how easy it was to bully Liverpool, how easy it was, you know, how many battles they lost all over the pitch. And you, and you think there has to be a, a response because Andy's right. Andy said earlier on that, you know, top four has, hasn't gone. And it, it kind of, you, you kind of, despite as, as, you know, as dismal as it was, that stalemate at Selhurst Park, you think, well, it is still up for grabs. But if it's going to happen, then Liverpool are going to need to put together like a run of six or seven maybe even eight wins in a row. And you think, well, that, that's going to have to start pretty soon. And this is a this is a big week with, you know, Wolves at home, one of the games in hand, got to take advantage. And then Manchester United coming to Anfield on the weekend. And you, you don't want to go into, you know, can you imagine another setback, another frustrate, night of frustration going into, you know, a meeting with United where, you know, they're going in, you know, on a massive high this weekend. Did their, you know, what was it five or six year wait for a, for a trophy with the with the League Cup. Doesn't feel like that long ago when Ralph Ramwick, the Man United, you know, interim manager, was talking about how, you know, United are six or seven years behind Liverpool and you look at it now and you think, you know, how quickly how quickly times change in football. So you just you you just need to go into that game on Sunday on a high. That's the thing for me. This is why the Wolves game's so big, because you don't want to be stuttering going into a game against a United side that uh that are kind of everything now that we kind of had come to expect from Liverpool. Hopefully we'll see a more coherent performance, but do you think we'll see Nunes back, Andy? Uh, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> I think Liverpool certainly need him to be back. It was a recurrence of his, the, the shoulder problem that he picked up against Newcastle. So, you know, it's whether, it, I mean, he got through the Madrid game, so it's whether he sort of took a bit more of a cautious approach with him for the Palace game and have decided, you know, to get him ready for this one. Because, you know, if he's fit, I think you've got to come straight back into the side. So I think the hope will be 
there'll be that. And then, of course, I think the, the other big one is 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 Canate, who's you know he's been back in was back in team training at the end of last week. Um, and I think, given Matip's performance, if Canate's ready to play, because uh, Gomez also missed the Palace trip with a with an injury, you know Matip will probably play again. But unless Canate is deemed fit enough, and and hopefully he is, because I think having him back would be be you know, really important. Um, we know how how crucial he's been um, when he has been for Liverpool and how much they've missed him this season. Um, and to to get that Canate Van Dijk partnership back, which we've barely seen this season, would be a, a step in the, another step in the right direction, if you like. But I think that those two would be would certainly help Liverpool if if they were to to be available and come back in. Yeah, well, you don't want to rush Canate back because you know that perhaps that plays a role in his continuing injury problems. But yeah, we're desperate to see him um, in, in that back four because he does make a huge difference. Well, that's all for now from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James, Kiva and Andy, and you for listening. And remember, you can get involved in our Walk On group on Facebook. Just search Walk On Podcasts and join the group there. We'll be back on Thursday. The Athletic.